be praised. You can join with me again into our New Testament text, Philippians second chapter. <clears throat> Looking at verses one to eleven, um, I will lift for our hearing and our reading, looking at verses just 3 to 5. But we're going to deal with verses 1 through 11. If you're not there, say, hold on. I'll hold on. Because you're going to stay right there so you can see where we begin and hopefully come to the same conclusion together. As we are turning there, if you can help me announce this topic, if you will, to your neighbor, tell them, don't be selfish. If it felt good to you, look to your look to your other side, tell your other neighbor, tell them with a smile on your face, don't be selfish. Amen. If you're not there, say hold on. I'll hold on. Somebody got excited. They want to make sure they see it now. All right. <laughs> look in the Philippians second chapter. I'm going to read in our hearing verses three through five. I'll be reading from the New Living uh, Translation. Uh, this letter by Paul to the church in Philippi. Hearing hear no more pages, turn what I'll ask one more time. Anyone not there, say, hold on. All right, I'll wait. I'll wait. Amen. I won't be before you long. I won't be before you long. Amen. 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 If we there, say, let us begin. Reading again, verses 3 through 5. And you're hearing from New Living Translation. It says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others, too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Praise God for his word. Amen. You may be seated. Looking at this text, we see in verse 5, I ask you to have this attitude or have this mind of Christ. The subject matter I'm going to try to deal with this morning, y'all can help me out, say it one more time to your neighbor, you can say it back to me, say it what? Don't be selfish. Paul writes this church to the uh, Philippi, which is the first church started, established in Europe by Paul. We might be familiar with this word Philippi because when Paul was there in Acts, the 16th chapter, he was locked up in the prison and he sang a song that at midnight <laughs> an earthquake happened and the gates flew open, the chains fell off. Y'all familiar with that story? I got time to do it. That's a sermon by itself, how you can sing at midnight. But Paul was there at midnight, but before he got locked up at midnight, he was beaten. He was stripped publicly and beaten and came along with Silas for doing what? I'm glad you asked that question. For just doing simply nothing but preaching the word of God. That They got upset that he went into the temple and to the synagogue. They say he's causing a riot, he's causing a stir from preaching the truth. And they unjustly beat him there in Philippi. So the Philippians are familiar with Paul because publicly they beat him, publicly they escort him and asked him not come back because he was a troublemaker. Let me help somebody out that I'll be a troublemaker for Christ. I'll be proud for you to kick me out because all I did was stand up on Jesus' name. Am I talking to somebody here this morning that I realize that it's not about me, but it's all about Christ. So tell your neighbor, don't be selfish. That's why Jesus, that's why Paul was able to say, for Christ I live and for Christ I die because he realized I cannot be selfish with my life because my life is not my own. It belongs to him. He, he wrote it in 1 Corinthians this way. He says, do you not know 
that your body was purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, tell your neighbor, if you believe Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, tell your neighbor that my life is not my own. And since your life is not your own, then you have no choice but to serve him and not be selfish. Uh, if y'all help me out, I'll be done real quickly here. So we see here in this text, Paul writes to the church in Philippi that he established after he was beaten down, but standing on the word of God, established a relationship with him that he was able to write to the, to the elders or to the bishops and to the deacons. That's in the first, first chapter of the first verse. He had a church establish the government, and then he tells them how they need to work together and not fight. Help me out, somebody. How much more does the church need to be reminded that we need to work together and not fight one another? In this text, he points out to them that while I'm locked up and I want to be your friends, and you have been my friends, you have ministered to me in my need, and I notice while I am locked up here in Rome and in imprisonment that many people are preaching his text. They're preaching his text. One reason why? Because they know it's good. Some of them are preaching for selfish reasons, and some are preaching just to get me upset and get me envious. But Paul goes on to say, whether they preach for this reason or for that reason, I'm just happy that they're preaching Christ. I'm looking at this situation, and Paul's locked up for preaching Christ and found out that he's locked up, but people are free preaching Christ. He's just so excited somebody's preaching. And in this time, he's pointing out to them that this should not be you. Yeah, yeah, y'all quiet. I figured it so. He's pointing out to them that we should not be preaching Christ out of vain, out of envy, or out of contempt, trying to profit ourselves. But we ought to preach Christ for the joy of who Christ is. So that's why he moves into the second part of this letter. Now, I said the second part because it's the second chapter. But I want you to understand that when he wrote this letter, there weren't any chapters. It was a letter. And, you know, when you write a letter, you got one page, you got two pages, you got three pages. You may point out how many pages you have, but you don't say, this is my first chapter. And so I, I want you to grab that in this foolish letter, Abby, he's building up his argument. He says, then, if there's any consolation, if there's any comfort in Christ. He's, the question, how it is read in maybe the King James or other translators has the word if, does not mean a suggestion of a negativity that it does not exist. But as far as really emphatic to point out that this is present when you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and say, let me see if I can walk down somebody's street. Now that you know Jesus, you got comfort. How do you have comfort? He says, I won't leave you comfortless. But I'll give you the comforter, the advocate, the paraclete. Can somebody say the Holy Ghost? He's pointing out that if you know me, you got comfort. If you know me, you have joy. If you know me, you have peace. Am I talking to somebody here this morning? Anybody just show me. If you got joy, if you got peace because you know Jesus, wave your hand. All right, I'm going to try to preach to y'all because y'all with me here. But those who don't know, maybe by the end of this message, you might give them a shot. I got some joy because I know for myself. But Paul is pointing out, since we have an intimate relationship with Jesus, there's some comfort in here. There's some peace in here. There's some joy in here. Therefore, I don't do stuff for my sake, for a selfish sake, but yet I do it instead how I can build up somebody else. He's pointing out in verse 3, he moves into it, says, don't be selfish. Too many times in the church that we get caught up thinking we know better than somebody else. And so, therefore, we put ourselves before them. Look, you know he wrote this to Christian folks. So y'all can look at me like, uh, like the way you want to. But if Paul can write this to some Christian folks, so do I can preach it. 
And it's pointing out to them here that, that we should not do things to impress others. We should, not, we should not be doing it to impress others how we try to show up early. Just to show up. Look, 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 I'm at my post. Signing our badges up. Make sure it's signed so they can read it clearly. Many times we go to places. People want to make sure you know who they are. But yet, we should not try to tell people who we are, but show them. How will they know that we are his disciples? He says, they will know you are my disciples by how you love one another. Can I stick a pen in here for a moment? Uh, last, uh, the last week during our state convention, uh, uh, Pastor Claude White gave a good time of meditation, and he talked about Tiffany's. The ladies got excited about Tiffany. He says, Tiffany's distinct not only for its blue box, Y'all know y'all get excited, y'all see that blue box wrapped in a ribbon. It must be good jewelry in this place. But it says, not only is Tiffany distinct by its blue box, but yet there's an inscription upon its diamond to let it know that it is marked by its craftsman jeweler. I lost somebody. Many times, many of you can look at your jewelry. There's an inscription in the jewelry. But he says that there's no inscription in the Tiffany's jewelry so that it can rub away. By people's oil or from the finger, but it's in there that it can endure the lifetime of the jewelry. Let me help somebody out what he's pointing out here. That there should be a mark on us. No matter how much somebody might rub on us, push on us, knock on us, it, it will not remove the mark on us that we belong to him. How do they know that I belong to him? By how I love one another. In other words, how I am patient, how I am humble, how I am forgiving, how I am merciful, how I am sacrificial towards you. They see that in me and realize that this person must not be of this world. And that's when you can let them know you are correct. I am a child of the kingdom of God. This world is not my home. I'm preparing myself to live forever with him. And so in the same place when people see us, they should no longer see a selfish, prideful attitude, but an attitude of humility, of obedience, and sacrifice. Y'all see where I got that? Look at verse 8. He humbled himself. He was obedient, and he died. The death is where we get the sacrifice, because you know he sacrificed himself. He said, I can lay down my life and I can take it up. Meaning that nobody forced him. He chose to. Tell your neighbor, Jesus chose to die for me. Hallelujah. And so in this text, I want to highlight how we too need to humble ourselves and be obedient and sacrificial. We've seen here that if I want to be obedient to him, I first have to be humble to him. To be humble to him, I realize that it's not about me, but it's all about Jesus. And when I look at Jesus, Jesus says this, that if you love me, you do to the least of these. Hello, somebody. And so I do to the least of these. No longer do I build myself up, but I learn how I can build somebody else up. How I can bless you with how God has blessed me. We get caught up with our blessings that we want to hold on to them and not be a blessing to somebody else. Can I help somebody out that if God can give it to you, he can take it away. So you can try to hold on to what you think is yours, but he can talk to you the same way Jesus t- told about that parable. This day, fool, you die. Watch out somebody that you might find out you a fool and you die. And the stuff you try to hold on to, the same people you didn't want to touch on, they fighting over, over your dead body. 
So you might as well live for the Lord now. Realize what you have, which you can't take with you. But you can show enough, give it away. Tell your neighbor, go ahead and give it away. Yeah, I figured, figured that I feel a whole lot of people say I'm ready to give it away. It's all right. Maybe you'll catch on as we continue on. Because I'm pointing out here that our selfish, our, our being a, a, a selfish person, you will live to impress others. But it says here to be humble and think of others better than yourself. Can I help somebody out what I'm trying to say here? That instead of trying to act like you're better than somebody else, you treat them like they're better than you. Now you're not trying to be fake, you're not trying to be phony, you're not trying to be hypocritical, but instead of pointing out what's wrong with them, you try to highlight, emphasize, and encourage what's right about them. You can come up to them and put a 10 on their forehead that you don't see them as a 2, as a 3, as a 7, but you see them as a 10, and therefore you give them 110%. You get that 1% that's good, and you go by 101%. You showing up short up on time. You are a timely person. May not do the job right, but they showed up on time. See, man, I'm so glad you showed up on time. And pretty soon they're going to keep on showing up on time. Next thing they're going to do something else better. And then you can highlight, oh, you did a good job on this. You showed up on time and got it done right. May the Lord bless you. Am I helping out somebody here? That instead of pointing out, you showed up on time, but man, you showed up did a bad job. Well, we need to realize, how can I give a compliment? And build them up and let them know I see goodness in you. Can I help somebody out? Jesus uh, chose the 12 of them. One of them was a devil. One of them was a cursing preacher. One of them doubted he even existed. But he loved them both. He died for all three of them. And so the same situation, how much more do we got to deal with some folks that get on our last nerve? That do things that get on our last nerves. That say things that get on our last nerves. Don't say anything to make you feel better about yourself. But you got to go ahead and humble yourself and say, I'm going to love you anyhow. Isn't that what Jesus did for us? So when we humble ourselves, it, it moves us to bring ourselves at a lower position. In this lower position, now, someone shared with me about how uh, there's a sound coming from the space. And the sound that comes from space, they said it comes at the tune at B-flat. And I heard somebody said it this way, that it's B-flat coming out of space to remind us that we need a B-flat. Because when you get low, all you can do is look up. Let me help somebody out. When you humble yourself and you get low, you can look up to see how great <laughs> is our God. But when you get so high, all you do is look down. You don't think that somebody's above you. Hello, somebody. But when we realize that if God is in control, I need to humble myself and get a little bit lower. That's why I, sometimes I got to get on my knees and pray. But sometimes my knees are not good enough that I got to get on my face and pray. But sometimes my face is not good enough. I just got to go all the way down and say, Lord, I need you. Every hour, I need you. And just cry and just weep and as well, because all I can do is just be flat. So we need to humble ourselves. In this aspect, can I further highlight this for you about how we need to be flat and humble ourselves? Jesus taught on this by saying how it is easier for a camel to go through a needle of an eye than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Why is that? He's saying a rich man can't get low. Why can't the rich man get low? Because his clothes too clean. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, anybody here been there before? You got all cute, and you you try not to get caught in the rain. <laughs> you didn't want to get in nobody's dirty car. 
You, you try to make sure nobody touched you? Uh-huh, thank you, thank you, thank you. So when we get caught up with how, how good we think we are, we don't want nobody to get us dirty. Well, can I talk about somebody real quick about a holy God? And if he's a holy God, how he loves us so much, he let us get closer, we know we dirty. On our best day with nothing but filthy rags. So how dare I come before God all high am I? I gotta come low. <laughs> because I'm not worthy to be in his presence. But because I fear him, because I respect him, I can humble myself before him. So this process of this humility is, is, is difficult for us in this world because in this world, humility is not celebrated. Think about it. We have America's top model. We have the next American idol. We have who, is a, a, who wants to be a millionaire. But I have not seen a show yet that says the 10's top most humble. Many of us probably changed the channel. Somebody came up. We were show with the 10 top most humble in the world. Here comes a humble mother coming home from a hard days. We're making breakfast for her children, making sure they get to school or on time, goes back into work and comes home. You say, that's boring. Click. <laughs> but we'll watch the expat. Oh, that person got good talent. I wonder where they make it. We get caught up with those who stand out in those world eyes who we think is wonderful. But Christ is pointing out that the greatest of these is what? The least of these. The, the greatest is the servant, the one who can humble themselves. But yet in our world, we don't celebrate who's humble, but we celebrate who made the most money this year, who got the most record sales this year, who had the most singles this year. We celebrate all that. That's why we got all those magazines to give you the top ten. But I've yet to see a magazine. Here's the top ten most humble. But yet if we realize that that's what God desires, that's what we want. We want to be on that list of who can be humble ourselves before him. Another aspect of humility, look in this process too, look at this process, that instead of this, that we, then, that we will endure others. That we'll lift up each other, we'll comfort them, and we'll have our hearts. Or we'll look to not only for our own interests, but take the interests of others means this, that we'll have patience. You understand that you have to have patience and humility? That many times, as I said, people get on your last nerves. That they, and, and we know some folks that always want to talk about themselves, but you're supposed to build them up anyway. So you've got to talk about them some more, and that's what they want. But you've got to humble yourself. And humble yourself that you got to have patience. And when you look up this word patience in the Greek, it gives us another translation in King James where it says long suffer. We know what it means, long suffer. It means you got to what? Suffer long. <laughs> and you have to suffer long. But if you look further into this definition, to be patient means to endure pressure. To have the endurance to withstand pressure. I use this illustration that I don't lift weights. I don't do weights to work out. I just do push-ups and sit-ups. But what I'm doing there, I'm learning to endure pressure. Let me have somebody out. That the more push-ups I do, the stronger my muscles get because I'm putting them under pressure. And under the pressure, they're suffering long, that they get broken down. You know, when you're building up muscles, you got to tear down muscles so that they can build themselves back up. And so I'm doing my push-ups. And when I start getting that burn, I'm, I'm learning to suffer long. I got to push through that burn. I'm on push-up 99, but I got to do 100. So I got to, ah, and suffer long for 100. But pretty soon when I find out, I get stronger. 
Let me help somebody out. Now, you may not, people ask how much they can bench, but you can lift up a big screen TV. You can help somebody move a, a desk. You may look unassuming because you haven't lift weights to make muscles really big, but you got enough strength to endure the situation. Somebody's not feeling what I'm saying here. Let me help somebody out. Now, you might be going some trials and some tribulations in your life. Everybody has lost their mind. Everybody else is out of control, but you able to sit in your seat. You're able to stand where you are and realize that my life is in his hands and so I can just wait on the Lord the song says I can hold on to God's unchanging hand I can look up to the hills where it's coming my help my help coming from the Lord he's a present help in the time of trouble so no matter what I'm going through I realize it's not me who's strong but great as he that's in me, the he that is in the, the world. So through that time, I may look small, I may look unassuming, but I can say great is my God. And because of him, I got the endurance. I have the strength to withstand. I'm talking to somebody here this morning. And so in this process that I can put up with you a little bit longer because my God can put up me with me a little bit longer. And so when I have this long suffering, I'm able to put myself last and others first. If Jesus can put up with a devil, if Jesus can put up with a cursor, one who denies him, he can put up one who doubted him, will be with him all this time. How much more can I put up with someone who's cursor? Hello. Put up with somebody that acts like the devil? Hello. Put up with somebody that doesn't believe in me? Hello. But yet I know my God can bring me through. So not only will my humbleness help me to be in a low position, then I'll be prepared to be obedient unto him. Because in order for us to be Humble, we have to be obedient. Look at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. We find in Luke 22, verse 42, he's saying, Father, if you are willing to remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but what? Yours be done. He was humbled to obedience unto death that he realized that, Lord, it's your will to be done. Now, my flesh, my body knows it's about to go through some trials and some tribulations. But, Lord, if my humility's in you, I'm able to endure the persecution, the suffering, the sacrifice because, Lord, it's obeying, obeying you. He said at a young age, he said, I got to be about my father's business. Anybody hear about his father's business? So when you humble yourself under leadership, it's easy to obey. Uh, how to him say trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy with Jesus but to trust and obey. So when we are obedient to him, it brings out our humility and it helps us to have the mind of Christ. I'm on the down here now. I'm on my way done. Because I want us now to look at this mind of Christ, how it's illustrated from verses 6 through 11. Verses 6 through 11 are known as the hymn of Christ. Uh, many scholars talk about how verses 6 through 8 deal with his, his humiliation. Verses 9 through 11 deal with his exaltation. Verses 6 through 8 point how it's all on Christ. Verses 9 through 11 puts it all on God. And, and so when we look at this phrase, it says, Though he was in the form of God, he thought it not robbery to come in the form of, of a slave. Y'all see that there? He came in the image of man in a form of a slave. It went from being a form of God to a form of slave. Let me help somebody out. His humility got him to the point that I can stay here, but since I love you, I can come lower than that. 
that he emptied himself. He gave up divine privileges. He gave up the right to sit at the king's table to come to be a servant of the king's table. Hello, somebody. He went from, I sit down and eat and you wash my feet, to I will get up from the table and wash your feet. He got up to says, not only will you die for me, but I'll die before you can even die for me. Hello, somebody. He says, you can't beat me in serving. Tell your neighbor, don't be selfish. That means you will fight to open up the door for somebody else. No, 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 I'm open the door before you. <laughs> I'm going to fight you to pick up that dollar you, you drive. I'll pick it up before you. That I realize that nobody's going to outbeat me in serving. I lost somebody. Don't be selfish Me, I will serve better than you can. That means we need to encourage one another to be a better servant. Now, I'm gonna, how many feet you wash today? <laughs> we say encourage that. You can't wash more feet than me. That we all want to be served because he says the greatest is the least. We should all be striving and competing to be the least. To how we can serve one another. He went from being the form of God to being the form of a slave in the image of man. He gave up everything. He went from being supreme Lord, being master of all, to being servant, slave of all. Tell your neighbor, that's humility. That he was willing to give this up to come in the form of us. And look, not was he humble, but he was obedient. Y'all see that there? He was humble, but he was obedient unto what? Death. Even death on a cross. Can I stick a pin right here? That's pointing here. He was, he was obedient to the crucifixion. I said earlier that this letter was written to Philippi. Philippi is a Roman city, became a Roman city under first and foremost. It's got his name from Alexander the Great's daddy. Alexander the Great's daddy, Philip, Philippi, hallelujah. That's where it came from. But it became a Roman city because y'all familiar with Caesar. At two Brute, got stabbed in the back, turned by Brutus and Anthony. They died in Philippi in the ch- and, and against uh, uh, Julius, became Augustus Caesar. And now that those soldiers that left there became Roman colonists, gained that land, became a Roman city. And there Therefore, since it's a Roman city, he's writing to some Roman citizens that understand to die on the cross, to die a Roman punishment, means you did not die as a Roman citizen. Let me have somebody out with this point out here that if you die on, as a cro- on the cross, that you were a traitor, that you died for treason. And, and then the Jews understood that it was foolish to die on the tree. But Jesus told them that I will die a humiliating death out of obedience. Hello, somebody. That we realize that in our lives that sometimes we have to be humiliated for Christ to be glorified. And Christ realized that I can embrace the cross, the shame of the cross for the glory of your salvation. Isn't that good news? That he can embrace shame and ridicule and suffering for the glory of our salvation. Jesus said, I must suffer many things. And he realized that I will accomplish my goal in three days. I will rise again. But look closely again that this death that he died, we know how he died. You know how he died? How they, the Judas betrayed him at midnight. And early that morning, they slapped him and called him all kinds of names and had people lie in front of him. Hello, somebody. I want you to grab this real quick. If God is holy, can he stand in the face of lies? Will he endure that? I lost somebody. If you got your clean clothes on, you don't go out where it's dirty. You get your hair did, you don't try to walk out in the rain. Holy God is in front of those who do not respect him, who do not love him, and they're lying on him in front of his face, smacking him and demeaning him, but he stood there anyway. 
but that wasn't good enough for him. Then they took him over to 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 to, to Pilate and took him over to Herod, and both of them had fun with him. They were they say, well, scourge him. Maybe that might satisfy the crowd. Pilate said, but that wasn't good enough. The the soldiers scourged him, but also what? Put thorns in his head, hit him with a stick. Say, prophesy, who hit you? They ripped off his clothes and played and put another robe on and bow down before him and say, hail to the king, not knowing they should have been worshiping him in spirit and in truth, but they were mocking him. And then they put his own clothes back on the mountain and marched him to the cross. But they beat him down so much, you remember, he was unable to carry his cross. But they showed up, nailed him to the cross, pierced him in the side to see if he was dead, put him in a borrowed man's tomb, but we know early that Sunday morning he got up with all power in his hands. But look at how gruesomely he died. He died for us. He died a horrible death on the cross. But look at verse 9. It says, therefore. Verses 1 through 8, I said it's due with his humiliation. Verses 1 through 8, I said it's all on him. But we need to wait for the therefore. Sometimes... We need to realize that we got to do all that we can, but therefore God. Sometimes we need to say, Lord, I'm done everything that I can. I stretched out my hand, but therefore God. Anybody here has done all that you can, but realize that there's a God that's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above and beyond what we can ask or think according to riches. So we see here Jesus in his humility did his part, obedience unto death. Therefore God. Another translation says, for this reason, pointing out that his humiliation moved God to do something else. Aren't you glad God can get moved? So therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name. Now, the King James Version was read. It says gave him a name. But I want to highlight here that God gave him the name. Since a better translation has come out since 1611, when the King James Version was done, found some newer transcripts that are older than what King James Version had. They found the article, the, there, to point out the as something a specific, something direct, something specific, different from something else. That's a chair, but this is the chair. Hello, somebody. He pointed out that's not just a door, but that's the door that you can go in. He says, I am the way, the truth, not a way. Hello, somebody. I heard many people say there's many ways to cross, but he said, I am the way, means specific of purpose and so same way that God gave him the name mm, what about this name this name this name this name causes tongues and knees to bend and to speak in three different places on earth above earth and below earth they are moved to bend their knees they are moved for their tongues to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord can I help you out what this name is some suggest that the name is Jesus that all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved can I help you out that yes Jesus is a good name but it's just a common name Jesus in Hebrew is Yeshua or Joshua means the Lord save Greek and Jesus mean the same thing the Lord saves but can I help somebody out that God is jealous about his name. If you need some help, go back to Exodus, the 20th chapter, the first three verses, the first three commandments, pointing out that have no other gods before me. Do not use my name in vain. Don't make any images like me, for I am a jealous God. Why are you a jealous God? Because he said, Isaiah 42, 8, I am the Lord. That is my name. Hello, somebody. 
I will not give my glory to another, nor my praise to graven images. Why is that? Because I am the Lord. Uh, that's my name. Can somebody help me out? What's his name? Lord. Uh, that's his name. Uh, you understand that Jesus is a common name. Some, some those Latinos say Jesus. That's a common name. But there's only one Lord. And at this name of the Lord, every knee bow, every tongue confess. Uh, I lost somebody. Let me rewind, slow it down, and bring it back one time. Uh, help me out. You may not have been in the courtroom, but I've been in the courtroom. I was in the courtroom before, and a judge came out. I seen this person outside on the street. I never acted any differently, but when the judge walked out, you got to rise. Why do you got to rise for the judge? Because the judge has a title. It has a name that when you are in its realm, when you're in its place, you got to give respect where respect is due. You can treat the judge how you want out there on the street, but you get up in that courtroom, you're going to find out who's in charge. Uh, let me look at Psalm and tell me the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Hello, somebody. I look to the which the hills was coming, my help, my help coming from uh, the Lord. So I'm finding out that if the Lord owns this world, he owns the cattle on the thousand hill, and everything responds by his name. I better enough respond to his name. That at the name of Jesus, or at the title of Jesus, at the title of Lord, I am moved to submit and to subject myself to his authority. So if you can rise when the judge comes into the courtroom, mm, what's you going to do when Christ comes in? What's you going to do when he shows up on a cloud with a trumpet in the air? Because those who do not know him are going to hide from his presence. They're going to try to be in the mountains shuddering and, 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 and hiding because they cannot stand before his holiness. But those who love and are waiting for his appearance are waiting to confess, here comes the Lord. <laughs> that we'll be happy and excited to say he is the Lord of Lords. He is King of Kings. He is host of hosts. And so in this process, then I started looking about how great he is. Because his name is greater than all other names. Look how great our God is. For you are the Lord most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. So Isaiah 40, 18 against his tomb. Whom when you, will you like God? Or what likeness will you compare with him? Jeremiah 10, 6 says, is, is, well, saying this. There is none like you, O Lord. You are great and great is your name. In might. I'm trying to point out how this hymn demonstrates to us the example of Christ. Aren't you, aren't you glad I'm closing right now? I want you to grab here that Christ came to show us the example of humility, of obedience, and sacrifice. We claim to say, I am a Christian, I'm a follower of Christ, and we need to follow his humility, his obedience, and his sacrifice. Jesus said it that you cannot be my disciple unless you deny yourself. New Living Translation says, put away your selfish ways, pick up your cross and follow after me. And if you realize that in order for me to be like him, I got to follow after him. And in following after him, I got to deny myself. Jesus pointed out to us many times is that he was the example. He made sure they never got confused. 
Look at this. I'm going to give you three examples, and I'm going to take my seat. The three examples he gives, he says here, that I and the Father are one. He let them know, you've been looking for the Father, here I am. He says, I and the Father are one. And so that's why John was able to say, we beheld his glory. We saw grace and mercy from mercy from mercy, from grace to grace. Seeing that we saw his exact, him in Hebrew says, we behold the exact representation of the image of him. Then the other example he gave to them that said, here, you looking for the way, here I am. I've been with you all this time. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He pointed out to them that you've been looking for life. Well, here it is. I'm the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Then the third example, I want to give this many more, but the third example he gave to them like this, that I am the good shepherd. As a good shepherd, I've come to give you life and give you life, what? More abundantly. I am not like those other crooks and thieves that are trying to kill, steal, and destroy. Who don't come through the front entrance but try to hide over the hotel gate. But I am the door. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. So he's pointing out to us that I am the example. So look at this example. Paul says if we want not to be selfish, then we need to have what? The attitude, the mind of Christ. What was this mind of Christ? An attitude and a mind of humility. Though he was God, thought it not robbery, thought it not to grasp and cling on to it, but he humbled himself. Tell your neighbor, you need to let go of your title and humble yourself. Yeah, y'all quiet on me. That's all right. Uh, some of us need to go and trade, and trade our, ti- our, our titles in for some towels and start washing people's feet instead of trying to tell them how big I am, how great I am. That People always got to introduce their title. Who are you? I don't go around telling about I'm Pastor Samuel Durham. I'm Samuel Durham. That's my name. But if you want to know me as Pastor well, if you're a member of my flock, you know who I am. I ain't got to prove to somebody else outside in the street because you're not in my flock, but my sheep. Know my name. Same thing with Jesus. That when I know who he is, the people can see the difference in my life. How I can humble myself and live a life that's obedient unto him. Because he's given us the example of humility. Then he gave us the example of obedience. That he was obedient to even death on the cross. Did not Jesus say we need to humble ourselves? We need to deny ourselves by picking up our cross and fall out there and tell your neighbor you need to die today. I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's he that lives in me. So now the life that I do live is through faith, through the one who loved me and died for me. Go back. That's Galatians 2, 2, 20. Go back and check that out. So it's no longer I who live because I am crucified with Christ. Because daily I need to live and daily I need to die. Daily I live for Christ. Daily I die to this flesh. How do I die? I die on the cross because my sins were nailed to the cross. Jesus died on the cross for me. Why did he die on the cross for me? I'm glad you asked that question. So that God can therefore Highly exalt him. Exalt him where? He's at the right hand of the Father. Why is he at the right hand of the Father? To intercede on our behalf. Why is he interceding on our behalf? Because he's our lawyer. He's our, he's our, he's our mediator. He's our paraclete. In other words, I heard a mother pastor say, he's the middleman that stepped right on in. He was the substitutionary for our salvation. That he died in our place. So therefore, God has 
highly exalt him. How did he highly exalt him? My Bible reminds me that he got up on a cloud in flesh form to present me faultless before the Lord with exceedingly joy. Check out Jude 24 and 25. And because of that, I have no problem by bowing my knee and confessing my tongue that he is Lord. And since he's Lord of my life, I will live for him. I will die for him. I will serve him. And I get caught on how you can call me outside my name. How you can talk about me behind my back. Because I'm not worried about what you can say or what you can do. You have no heaven or hell you can put me in. And my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And my God going to give me a new name over in glory. So you call me outside my name all you want. But I'm so glad I'm a child of God. I can call him Abba Father. And since I can call him Abba Father, good day now, Zion. May the Lord bless you real good. But since I can call him Abba Father, I'm a co-heir to his kingdom. And since I'm a co-heir to his kingdom, one day I will be judging angels. One day I'll be walking on the streets and go, one day... I'm going to take of the tree of life. One day, I'm going to drink all the life. One day, I'll be at the wedding feast. One day, I'll be in glory forever, hello, and never goodbye. Because one day, you're going to remove all pain, all tears. Why is that? Because he is Lord. So that's why I can't be selfish. If he did all this for me, i got to give it all back to him. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Lord, we come right now, God. Realizing, Lord, that you died to set us free. You died to redeem us. You died so that we can learn how to live a life of humility and obedience and sacrifice unto you. Lord, there might be someone here who does not know Jesus. And, Lord, I I pray right now they can realize that they, too, they can let go. If Christ was able to let go all that he had to serve, how much more can they let go right now, God? To let go the lust of the flesh, to let go the lies of the enemy. And say, Lord, I trust you. And Lord, I pray right now that they can confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus died on the cross for their sins and they, that he rose from the grave with all power in his hands. Father, Lord, we ask you to minister to them right now. That's you, that's you. I want to pray this prayer with you. God sees you. He knows right where you are. Just repeat this prayer after me. He sees you. Don't Just say it if you mean it. God sees your heart and say, dear Lord, I do believe that you died on the cross for my sin, and that you rose from the grave with all power in your hand. And dear Lord, I'm inviting you, I'm asking you to come into my heart and be my personal Lord and Savior. I thank you, Lord, for dying for me. I thank you, Lord, for saving me. I thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. If you pray that prayer for the first time, that's you, the first time, raise your hand, that's you. That's you, that's you, that's you. you. God bless. I see none to raise their hands. Amen. Father, we just thank you. Lord, I pray that all who here know you as a personal Lord and Savior. And Father, Lord, we thank you for the, the privilege of being a part of your fellowship. And so, Lord, if there's someone here that's looking for a church home, we welcome them here in this place, oh God. If you led them here, God, we pray that we'll be the church you called us to be. That we'll surround them and support them and love them and serve them with all humility and all uh, love and all sacrifice, oh God, as you call us to do. So, Lord, as they join this fellowship, Almighty God, we pray that we'll be your body and continue to lift them each other up as we come into the full obedience and the measure of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' great name, Lord, we pray all God should say amen.